back for an episode today to look at wide receiver and tight end targets. Similar episode to what I did last week. Going to make this a weekly thing. Before I get into that, I want to note that this podcast is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. So if you go over to Underdog Fantasy, they've got weekly contests for DFS going on, which you can play the Battle Royale. We've got rankings for that on Establish the Run. We also have rankings for the rest of the season best ball contest, The Resurrection. So a couple of different ways to play over on Underdog Fantasy. If you sign up and use promo code ETR, you will get up to $100 match on your initial deposit. So definitely check that out. And again, use promo code ETR when signing up at Underdog Fantasy to get to $100 match on your initial deposit. So uh, the good news is things are a little bit less busy for me now. So I'm going to be hitting multiple episodes a week. Like I noted, Uh, the bad news is I've been sick this week, my first week of scaled down stuff. So uh, if I don't sound quite right, that is why. But powering through it, I'm going to have three episodes for you this week. And hopefully three episodes each week are going to do one looking at underperforming pass catchers, which is today's episode. Uh, Same thing that I did last week. And then applying uh, the same methodology essentially to running backs. So while the second episode on underperforming running backs, and then a third episode looking at the GPP game scores that Adam Rausch helped us develop over at Established to Run. Adam will be joining me Thursday evenings. We'll recap what happened last week and then take a look ahead at the ETR GPP game scores for the upcoming week and how things might move and the types of games we may be targeting to help get in the GPP mindset for the week. Um, but yeah, let's look at um, last week's results from the the by Leone. And it, if you didn't listen to last week's episode, I kind of explained what the by Leone model is, which is a model that I developed to try and find wide receivers and tight ends that are underperforming based on their opportunity. And the good thing about this model is it's very objective. It's simply based on the opportunity. There's no subjective. This guy's bad. This guy isn't good. Um, so it's really nice check to kind of our more subjective projection system process. The negatives, of course, are it assumes the same opportunity going forward. And the removing player skill is like a good thing and a bad thing. Um, it's just something you need to be aware of with the model. Um, let me see. Trying to uh, share my screen here, but having having some issues, of course. But last week, Devontae Adams was someone that um, we mentioned, oh, here we go. Present screen. I was, uh, was, uh, tricked, tricked by the new stream yard setup here, but you can see here are the results from last week. Um, of the guys we mentioned, Devonta Adams, who I was really into, he had a pretty good game putting up 19. Um, oh no, this is, yeah, he put up 19.1 fantasy points. Ironically, that was ex- pretty much exactly our DFS projection for the week. He did not find the end zone, but again, Devonta Adams continues to crush and we actually have him in my expected points model. I have him right in line with Cooper Cup. These guys are seeing like very similar stuff. Uh, Cup has a little bit more in terms of pure targets. Adams has more red zone targets, believe it or not, and a little bit more air yards. Have those guys each at around 86 expected fantasy points through four weeks. Adams has underperformed. He's at 73 fantasy points. Cup's at 100. But do you expect Cup to outscore Adams? He's had an absurd catch rate for two straight seasons. A little bit less uncertainty with him, but think that gap will shrink and that Adams really has a pretty realistic chance to finish the year as a top three wide receiver, maybe even the wide receiver two overall. Another guy we were looking at last week was Brandon Cooks. And again, you know, we get the catch rate regression for Cooks. Cooks 
I think he had a hundred percent catch rate in the game. Um, and then of course he goes from, uh, you know, his 9.6 points per game is what he was averaging going in. He finishes with 18.7 also had a DPI that he drew and he had a 22 yard catch called back from holding Matt calf had a really strong game with someone that we highlighted um, was a pretty big hit. One guy who we did touch on last week that was not a hit was Kyle Pitts. And you're going to see a lot of people that recur uh, on the model when they don't perform well, if they keep getting the opportunity. Pitts is one of them. He's second in tight end air yards on the season. I still think it's going to happen for Pitts. Atlanta's only averaged under 25 pass attempts per game. They're a team I'm very worried about the overall pass volume, but they're going to be worse in terms of game script. They've had some fluky games where they're two and two, and one of the losses they led by a ton. Another one of the losses they like blocked a field goal and returned for a touchdown and lost a possession. They've just had some weird things that they're going to be a low pass attempt team. But by that, I think I mean like 30, 34, you know, somewhere in that range, 30 to 34 pass attempts per game, certainly not less than 25. Um, and that, and Pitts should just start running more routes too, which is just something bewildering. Do you think it's worth noting though, that, um, when we're thinking about uncertainty in the off season, a lot of times we chase uncertainty because the upside along with it. And I think that perhaps went too far with Kyle Pitts. We're like, Oh, what, what if he's just the best tight end ever, especially when you got to the point where you're rating pits, like potentially ahead of Mark Andrews, that's something we didn't do at ETR. I think at that point, the, one of the reasons uncertainty is profitable is because the market's so afraid of uncertainty that you get a good price. When you don't get that good price, uncertainty can even become a bad thing. And we're seeing some things with Kyle Pitts in terms of the pass rate for Atlanta. We're seeing some terms, some things in terms of his usage because Arthur Smith just does not seem like that good of a coach that are results of uncertainty that Mark Andrews didn't have. There is no way some of the bad things that are happening to Kyle Pitts would have ever happened to Mark Andrews because we knew what his role was going to look like. So um, just to want to make that point about uncertainty at a certain point, you know, you do need to catch yourself and not just be blinded by the upside case for a player when that uns- when the profitability of the uncertainty is priced in. I do think that happened with Pitts. I still think he's running bad. I still think he was a good draft target overall, but it's just something that struck to me when you're, you know, when I'm looking at the things that are going wrong with Pitts and I'm comparing him to Mark Andrews, I think there's a world certainly where Pitts outscores Mark Andrews, but um, there's not really a world where the routes get scaled back, you know, or, and, and some of these things that are happening with Kyle Pitts, they wouldn't have happened to uh, Mark Andrews. So wanted to note that um, those were the guys I think we, we mostly talked about last week. Some of the other big hits in the model, uh, TJ Hawkinson, of course, goes off. A lot of that was context related, though, with the really good matchup against Seattle and all the other pass catchers being out for Detroit, which the model doesn't know. So certainly some run good and some luck there. Uh, Zach Ertz with a, a big performance. And that tight end role for Arizona has been so, 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 so valuable. Uh, he just gets so many like freebie catches each week. And then he gets bombarded with red zone targets. So I've actually put in some sneaky bids on Trey McBride, who's finally found the field for Arizona in the hopes that you know, if he can get this role towards the end of the season, even if DeAndre Hopkins comes back, so I think it's extremely valuable tight end role when you look at the garbage at tight end from other positions. Some big misses. Deontay Johnson was a huge miss. We can talk about him more in a little bit. Marvin Jones was somewhat weather-related. Dalton Schultz somewhat health-related. Those were some of the big misses. Ayuk misses, um, and he falls actually falls off the model. 
Um, and do want to Elijah Moore, I'd kind of pointed out last week that I was a little skeptical. He's on the model again this week, but I, I'm still skeptical about Moore for two reasons. Again, the pass rate for the Jets, the total pass volume has to come down. And we're this model assumes the same volume going forward. And Garrett Wilson just continues to emerge and kind of be ahead of Elijah Moore. So I think Moore is going to be okay, but he's not someone that I'm really, really strongly going after. So let's take a look at the stuff this week and the guys I'm interested in. Um, Devonta Adams, you can see, is at the top again. I absolutely love him, but not too much more to add about him that we haven't already talked about. Jamar Chase, though, is like he's going to explode. And if you can, I mean, I don't know what you can get from him in trade. It's unfortunate that he's in a night game. And we can't play him on the DFS main slate this week. But if anyone's starting to sour on Jamar Chase a little bit, uh, you know, I, I think I would trade Tyree Kill for Jamar Chase. I'm trying to think of some other over, overperforming wide receivers, but um, or maybe a package deal where you go two for one and you get the better player if, if people are like somewhat down on Chase. Because I'm actually really encouraged by the usage for Chase early on. His target rate is up overall. He's seen over 10 targets per game. The issue is his yards per target is down four yards or so from last year. If we take a look. Jamar Chase, who's at 11.4 yards per target last year, only 7.1 this season. Part of that's ADOT related. You know, his average depth of target is down. Um, but we should see a corresponding increase in catch rate if that's the case. And so far, it's down. So I think we're going to see one of two things, maybe a combination of both happen moving forward, which is he's either going to catch more balls if his ADOT stays low or his ADOT's going to start to regress towards what it was last year. And we'll see a little bit more explosiveness. I think something between the two. And he's also only caught a touchdown on one out of 20 passes or so when last year he caught a touchdown on one out of like 13 passes. So look for him to bounce back. And when I look at the player counts for Jamar Chase for this week, really good matchup against Baltimore. Again, when you're looking at this graph on the player comps, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, you can see it. Just keep in mind that the scales on the x-axis are different for different players because um, the upside isn't as big. So this might look like it's left-tailed a little bit, but that's actually a pretty high 20th percentile outcome for him, which is double-digit points. A lot of guys at single-digit points. And also, he just has such massive upside. You get an 80th percentile outcome in the high 20s, but you get a really, really big right tail. And some of his comps include a 34-point Justin Jefferson game, which was actually the Jefferson game that he just had last week. You got a 32-point Chase game, which is reflected in Chase's week one this season. There's a 28-point Terry McLaurin game from Week 9 of 2020. There's a 45-point Tyreek Hill game from Week 2 of this season. So some really high-end camp comps. There's also a 29-point Calvin Ridley game in here. He's going to get you double-digit points almost every week, and there's going to be a few weeks a year where he just completely goes off. We haven't had one of those. We're going to get those. So stay patient with Jamar Chase. The explosion is coming. Now let's look at Deontay Johnson. Um, Deontay, his comps are a little bit more stable, a little bit less upside, but still pretty good overall. 20th percentile outcome, almost in the double digits, median just under 15 points and an 80th percentile in the low to mid twenties for Deontay Johnson. And the reason, you know, for Deontay Johnson being on the mile this year is he continues to earn targets. He's earning you know, almost 10 targets a game. 
But we thought, you know, the efficiency couldn't get worse going from Ben Roethlisberger to Mitch Trubisky. Uh, we were wrong. Mitch Trubisky, absolutely awful. And as a result, we've seen a lower yards per target for Deontay Johnson, despite the fact that his ADOT has increased. So I'm pretty excited to see what happens with Kenny Pickett. The increase in ADOT for Deontay Johnson, along with him continuing to earn targets, actually points to maybe a little bit more upside than we might think here, especially relative to how bad the production has been early. So uh, I'm still buying Deontay Johnson. Um, he is on my bench in some leagues where I'm deep at wide receiver, though. You know, I think I'm playing Jerry Judy ahead of him in the league. So it's tough. Judy also on the list for this week, by the way. Uh, and with that quarterback switch, do also want to know that George Pickens had 156 air yards last week. Uh, Pickens is someone that should absolutely be owned in all formats. I dropped him in a four in a in a league last week where I had a really deep bench and I wanted to pick up Kadarius Tony for a bit more uh, upside and sort of regretting that now trying to get George Pickens back in that that format so um should be owned every everywhere. Okay, another guy to look at is Chris Godwin. Uh Godwin had an 83% snap share last week for the Bucks, and that was great to see Godwin come back and, and post that that huge snap share. We didn't know exactly how healthy he was. Of course, he hurts his hamstring week one, and we were kind of like, "Why? Why did you rush him back from the ACL?" Uh, but he comes back early. Comps for him this week like aren't super great, but I'm really in on him. We also saw the pass rate over expectation for the Bucks get back to where we thought it would be, and it makes sense because. Partly due to game script against Kansas City, but keep in mind, pass right over expectation takes into account the game script, but there's still like a mental aspect of the opponent you're playing on that certainly made Tampa Bay play more aggressively than they may have versus someone else, even with the same score differential. But mostly what we saw is the um, the health of the wide receivers led and the inefficiency of the run game just led Tom Brady to throw in all game. They're like a 90% pass rate. Uh, the expectation was high, but not nearly that high. And consistently, they've been one of the highest priority teams each week. So I'm super excited for Chris Godwin this week and moving forward. He's someone, he's an absolute slam right now. I would be trying to get him in all leagues. Like this, this is going to be your last opportunity to get Chris Godwin. So make sure you check him out. At tight end, Darren Waller. Uh, we'll see if Hunter Renfro remains out. That would obviously be good for Waller. I don't know if that's going to have a huge impact. On his role overall, it's a pretty condensed passing tree for the Raiders. The total targets for Waller haven't been amazing. He's had six, eight, five, and five targets, and those five and five came with Renfro being out, and we kind of hoped those would be a little bit higher. The good news for Waller overall, even though the target share isn't super high, Devonta Adams is, is a, you know, gleaning the targets. The base of like five targets is is okay for a tight end. He's getting looks down the field. If you look at the NFL air yards leaders, uh, he is third among all tight ends at 273 ahead of Travis Kelsey by just a smidge. And his red zone role has been phenomenal. He has seven red zone targets through four games. He has two in each of the last three games, yet he only has one touchdown. So I think those TDs could come in a hurry. He he was close to at least two or three more touchdowns in some of the games that I watched. And the narrative around him would be really different had he caught those touchdowns. Uh, also think like the yards per target 7.3 is going to going to come up given that the ADOT 
has risen to 11 and a half, which is high for him. And it's now it is helping to make again, going back to the air yards is helping to make up for the fact that he's seen a little bit less volume overall. So pretty into Darren Waller. Some other guys that are underperforming on the list this week uh, that I want to point out, Jerry Judy and Juju Smith-Schuster are two guys that I still like. I think they're holds in your leagues. What we've seen out of both of them, I think, is that they're going to be productive and they have a decent floor. We haven't seen the upside hit. And in some cases, that might mean the upside isn't there that we hoped was there in the preseason. These were two guys I was bullish on in the preseason, but it may just materialize further down. There's a lot of stuff with randomness and whatnot that could happen over the course of the season. So when I see guys that are doing okay as is, are popping on this list as underperformers, and I like them before the preseason, I'm still in on them, even though like intuitively I do feel the ceiling has dropped off a little bit for Juju and Judy. Uh, Justin Jefferson's on the list because you know he, prior to last week's smash, he had two really down games that are factored in the model. And it's looking at the last three fantasy points per game. That's what the comparison is to. But ultimately, there's just not too much to say here. You can't buy low on Justin Jefferson anywhere. Uh, he's an absolute stud. Uh, whenever there's studs on this list, I'm paying really close attention because it means, you know, rocket ships moving forward compared to where they have been. And that's the same thing for Justin Jefferson, who's been really up and down to start the year. It may remain somewhat up and down, but I do think his you know, weekly performance are made closer to week one and four than they were weeks two and three. Uh, DJ Moore, another repeat guy on the list who, again, the list doesn't know how, how bad Baker Mayfield has been and may continue to be and how bad schematically this offense is. Uh, if you have DJ Moore, though, you're, you're just holding firm, really. Uh, I, I think it could still happen for him, but I definitely prefer like Deontay Johnson, who's also on this list, you know, over DJ Moore. Um, probably prefer, quite frankly, um, you know, Juju Smith-Schuster and Judy, I think, to DJ Moore. But it, it's probably that same bucket. Uh, he's pretty similar to those guys. Um, not too much else at tight end, by the way. Uh, Hayden Hurst found the end zone for Cincinnati last year. He looks pretty good. I think he should be owned in, in most leagues, but there's not a ton there. So um, that's going to do it for this week's look at wide receiver and tight end underperformers. Again, I'll be back tomorrow doing the same thing for running backs and also tomorrow evening looking at the game scores uh, with Adam Rao. So thank you so much for tuning in, everybody. And I hope you have an excellent week.